Paul Goldschmidt has homered in every game of this series, and it's now 3-1 to one Cardinals. Cardinals Radio Network and Paul Goldschmidt's 22nd homer. St. Louis has won five in a row, a 6-3 victory at Pittsburgh, and the Cardinals now move into a first-place tie with the Cubs in the NL Central. Rockies rally for an 8-7 win over the Nationals in D.C. ESPN's Todd Archer reports that Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott was not on the team playing to Los Angeles for the start of training camp. Cowboys report to camp. Will their contract situations be a distraction? Speaking of distractions, is all the changeover at Alabama a distraction for Nick Saban? Golden Wingo Friday, 6 Eastern ESPN Radio, ESPN 2. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying. It is gone. Under the hood, behind the scenes, nobody really sees. Four runs. Right in the air deep. Is it enough? It's gone. Ball game over. Hey, I'm hot. Jonathan Hood. I'm hot. Rubisky. Robinson. Allen Robinson. Touchdown Bears. Back with the interception. And Mack will take it all the way in for a touchdown. A lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood. The mark in it. Oh! He didn't come for the massage. He came for the fight show. Oh, baby. Woo! Jonathan Hood. Oh, oh, man. Put a body on that man. Please. Breaks the hole. Swift got running room. Swift got to go. 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Swift. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. I'm the man. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up and welcome in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with open phone lines for you. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com, tweet J Hood. On Snapchat, snap J Hood. You follow me on Snapchat, I will follow you back guaranteed. Coming up here this half hour, we'll hear from Chris Kampka. You say, who's Chris Kampka is the man? NBC Sports Chicago does a great job bringing down the numbers for the Cubs, Sox, and everything else, Major League Baseball. Also, if it's Thursday, if it's Thursday, we have the throwback. The throwback. I love getting smiles on the other side of the glass. And I don't mean my production side. I mean outside outside our, our window. I said, if it's Thursday and, and two ladies turned around, she's like, me? It's like, is your name Thursday? <laughs> I think he was talking to me. I think he said, if it's Thursday. I think my name is Thursday. It's my girlfriend Wednesday. <laughs> if it's Thursday, you know it's Throwback Thursday as we broadcast live from our first Midwest Bank Studios. Money. Pink Floyd. Comfortably numb. So we're to Throwback Thursday coming up at 935. We were talking earlier about the Cubs. And Cubs were idle. And they're going to take on the Milwaukee Brewers 4-3. And then the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm not concerned about the Brewers um, part of that road trip. I think the Cubs can win two out of three because I think they have a, a good 
Okay, guys, starting pitching, and Lester will be back. And I'm thinking that Lester will be able to mow down the Brewers. My concern is the red-hot Cardinals. What happened? Cardinals, I thought, in a very competitive National League Central for a while, by the way, I thought that the Cardinals would just kind of just kind of just be in the middle and just kind of play out the season. But this is where we are with baseball. You just never know. It is, a, to me, a second-half-defining part of the schedule for the Cubs. Doesn't mean that just because they're a half game ahead of everyone else in the National League Central, that that's the end. It doesn't mean that. What I'm saying is, is that when you're taking on two quality foes, I believe, in taking on the St. Louis Cardinals and then, of course, the Brewers coming up starting tomorrow, that is really telling of exactly if there's any gumption, is there any balls with this Cubs team? Because uh, it is, to me, if they fall short, a wasted season. You can't waste seasons. You can't do it. Coming, Think about last year. What were the storylines you and I were talking about last year? We talked about how the, the Cubs underachieved, how they struggled to even get two or three runs across the board at a time in the second half of the season. More times than not, the Cubs were scoring like one run, two runs. It was ra- really razor thin because of how poor the offense was. And, of course, we all know, you and I both know, that was Chili Davis's fault, all of it. I mean, and thank God he's out of here. I mean, Chili Davis just ruined the offense for the Cubs last year. And so now they have a new hitting coach in place, right? And now how's the hitting? Okay, it's gotten better at some, but it just they're just coming apart at the seams. What's the number one storyline? The number one storyline is, is Joe Madden going to return? Has Joe Madden done anything differently from last year to this year? Remember Theo Epstein talked about some changes that he wanted to see with, see with his ball club. Where's the changes? Is anything really different? Maybe more communication with the players. We did play a soundbite, I want to say three weeks to a month ago, about, I believe it was Jason Hayward said that, yeah, you know, Joe's communicating a lot more, uh, more coaching is what the quote was with Waddle and Sylvie. And I was like, coaching more? Well, isn't that your job anyway? To, is that coach more? Coach every day. And I understand that there's some managers that are hands off that just come to the ballpark, put the uniform on and sleep until the game starts. We, there's a number of those guys in the past, but I just um, I look at this Cubs team as a team that just does not have it. It does not have the zing, and it's, and I, maybe I'm just the last person on the station, the mass, maybe the last person you know that is still optimistic about the core being able to break through. It's just not. It doesn't feel special. When the Cubs won the World Series that year, and I'll mark my territory and say it again. I said it in May. Felix was here. I said, you know what? It's, you can see there's some magic here with this Cubs team. You see, in baseball, you can see it. See, to me, in baseball is different than basketball, foot, football, hockey to an extent. Where when baseball, you get all the breaks. Everything breaks your way. Games you're not supposed to win, you start. You, you have a come from behind victory. Pitching that you get, you just don't expect it. You don't get overachievement a lot in other sports on a in, in abundance. You get it from a player or two in football. You get a player or two in basketball that they shoot it for a little bit of a higher percentage. But you know when it's special when you get these hits out of nowhere. Like how how this guy he just came to the ball club. How is he giving us a three run homer to win the game? This pitcher did not know he had this kind of stuff. Those are things that happen. I learned this watching the 84 Cubs same way. Just like everything worked. 89 Cubs is actually a better example. Ask, ask Sylvie sometime about the 89 Cubs under Don Zimmer. 
horseshoe and the backside. Everything worked. How about a hit and run, bases loaded with one out? Just and, and, just and just everybody scores. Why don't we send the pitcher to steal a second base? And that works. The ball goes in the outfield. Guy goes to third base. Like everything works. That's when baseball is at its best. When everything is just it seems to be going your way. You when you are making your own breaks and breaks are happening for you. Where is that with this Cubs season? It's not. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We're also keeping our eyes on the White Sox and the Twins. You know, Black will always remind me some years ago when the Sox were getting beat by the Twins like 18 out of 19 times where um, we were supposed to be off at 10 o'clock and I did not want to get off the air and I demanded for more time. <laughs> that happened actually, waking up Delavitt, waking him up saying, we're staying on till 11. Uh, what? Good morning. That morning, it's 10 o'clock. We're, we're still on the air. What? All right, go ahead. It's just like it's still going because I could not get off the air because I knew I'd have a heart attack if the if the if I just went home and just watched the White Sox lose again to the Twins. So I had to I had to let it out. So I'm good now, but at the time, yeah. Thank God Northwestern was nearby because I was so <laughs> so right. angry. Just a quick ambulance right away. And by, good. by the way, that was the last time that I really really lost my mind. And started getting dizzy, and and I thought, okay, someone's you know I'm going to dial this down or I'm going to die on the air. <laughs> so right. It's like because it, it was serious because I did not like how things were going. But again, we know what the this season is about for the White Sox as they try to um, to retool here. Uh, as you're listening to ESPN 1000, the ESPN app under the hood with Jonathan Hood. Please be joined by Chris Kampka. Covers baseball for NBC Sports Chicago. We're glad to have him on the program here as we talk Cubs and Sox right here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Chris, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Chris, um, We, I need you to, to talk to me about uh, both teams here. I was talking earlier about the Cubs. First place, you want to see a su- sustained momentum from the Cubs here because this particular road trip here, now that they're done with San Francisco, now it's Milwaukee and in St. Louis. What is your outlook for the Cubs here moving forward? Well, I think the key to the season going forward is Chris Bryant. I mean, yeah, he's got a little bit of a knee thing, but it doesn't seem too serious. But going forward, I think he's the key to the Cubs. The offense needs to come through on all cylinders. Chris Bryant this season is having a sneaky great season. He's one of only four players this season since May 1st to play 60 games with a 400 on base and a 600 slugging. Not many people are talking about it. The other ones are Mike Trout, Christian Yelich, and Patel Marte. So he's, he's part of a really select companies having a great season, and the Cubs need him to continue to do what he's doing. But that being said, they've also got Rizzo, Contreras, and Baez, which is a very, very strong core of that lineup. I think they need to continue to do what they're doing. The problem is, it seems like recently only one at a time has had a good game, and you can't have a couple of them at a time to get rolling. But I think Brian is number one key, though. Okay, uh, could you tell me some things about Javier Baez? Because no matter what the Cubs are going through, Chris, he just seems like not only just a team leader, but also a spark plug for this team on, on not only offensively, but defensively. Absolutely right. I mean, he does things that you just can't really comprehend with numbers most of the time. He's had that insane success after falling behind two or with two strikes. And those numbers, 
All right, so after two strikes this season, <clears throat> um, after an 0-2 count, rather, mm-hmm. 274 batting average with nine home runs, which is just absolutely absurd. Wow. I mean, usually a guy is left for dead after 0-2, but Baez is, and I think it's a product of his insane bat control. Yeah, he's always had issues with strikeouts, but he makes contact on balls that you would never, he has no business making contact on. So you think you're throwing a throwaway pitch, but he's, he's taking where it goes. And he's going the other way. It's increasing them out this year. So, I mean, he, you think you got him figured out, but you don't. And it's that kind of hitter that it doesn't, he's kind of foolproof. And, and, the, and he's really one of the key members of the Cubs along with those others I listed. Chris Kampka from NBC Sports Chicago with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. One other thing about the Cubs before we switch over to the White Sox, I want to get your thoughts about starting pitching because Lester was away. Now he's going to be part of this um, this rotation against the um, Milwaukee Brewers. What stands out most about the starting staff, especially with John Lester for you? Well, Lester, I mean, it looks like, you know, a little less velocity, um, the strikeout rate not quite what you want it to be. But in the end of the day, he still gets it done. And it's just, it's, it's puzzling how he does it, but he does it. And it's maybe it's just veteran experience. Um, I don't really have any uh, worries seeing him on the mound. I mean, he's, his FIP has been higher than his ERA by, by a nice chunk each of the last two years. But it just shows that he's been able to pitch over that. And when he's been able to allowing the home runs, most of the time, fewer runners on base, uh, he, he's not walking that many batters. Um, he's good. Um, Hamels is due back pretty soon, and he has been arguably the strongest member of the rotation this season. It, it remains to be seen how you come back, especially after an oblique injury, but he's looked so good that I feel confident about that. I mean, Hendricks is Hendricks. He, he's a dying breed. You just don't, they don't make him like this anymore. Guys who... Maybe he has a handful of pitches over 90 miles an hour in the whole year, and yet 3-4-1 ERA, he gets the job done. He's won an ERA title. Quintana, solid. You know, sometimes he's frustrating, but, but look at the way he is. You're kind of counting on him to be a, more of a back-end-of-the-rotation guy, and that role fits him very well. And as for you, Darvish has looked much, much better since the All-Star break. And I think we're only, you know, I think the best might be yet to come with him. So I think... You know, sometimes they look frustrating, but if you really compare them to the rest of the teams in the league, in the NL Central particularly, St. Louis, I mean, they've got Flaherty who's been frustrating. Overall, they've been frustrating. Dakota Hudson's been their best pitcher so far this year, arguably. And Milwaukee has been kind of a mess here and there. Woodruff had been their best starter, but he's out with an oblique injury for a while. They made it last year cobbling a pitching rotation together, but I just don't buy it. I don't buy them getting by with their pitching. I think the Cubs look pretty good in comparison. Chris, uh, one thing before we go to the White Sox. I know that there's many of us that are tired of the bunt when it comes to baseball. Like, I don't know how to be a Kansas City Royal fan knowing that Ned Yost wants to bunt every time. He still wants to do bunt and sacrifice his way to another World Series championship. So, so what irks you more? Is it, is it the bunt or is it the, the sacrifice? Because that also is giving yourself up offensively. 
Yeah, I don't like me. I don't like either one. I mean, quite honestly, the most frustrating thing about White Sox baseball this year is if you watch a game, particularly like the game that's going on right now, the, the Twins are hitting home runs, and the White Sox have to cobble a bunch of singles in order to get some runs scored. They have the second fewest extra base hits in the majors, and the second fewest walks in the majors, second only to the Marlins in each category. So when when you're not taking as many base runners as you might be given, had you be more receptive to taking walks. And you're not getting any extra base hits. It's really going to be hard to score runs, and that's what you're watching with the White Sox. Now, I don't take that too seriously because a lot of guys that are on this roster right now that you're seeing are guys that aren't going to be there when they're contending. But I mean, I think the most important thing you can glean from the White Sox right now is take a look at Yon Moncada and how he has really blossomed this year. I'm really excited and encouraged by what I've seen so far. So when you bring back. Eli Jimenez, he gets healthy. Jose Abreu is going to keep doing his thing. When you have Tim Anderson added to the mix, and then you're going to have Luis Robert coming up pretty soon, Nick Madrigal maybe coming to the top of the order as a table setter, things start to look a lot brighter really fast for the White Sox. So I think when you're watching right now, try to watch it through a development kind of lens and kind of just try to watch and and look for things improving. I mean, Obviously, as far as the pitching concerned, Lucas Giolito had been that guy that's been doing it. Rough start today, been a little bit rough lately, but overall in the season, you have to look at that as a success. And if you've seen Ronaldo Lopez since the All-Star break, he's looked dominant. And, I, and he showed it last year. I think he, he, can, he can do some things on the mound. So those are some bright spots to look forward to with the White Sox. What about Lopez's second half? What stands out most about that? Oh, well, <laughs> he, he is yeah. a strike throwing machine. I mean, he is turning, I, I, you know, 63% strikes in the first half, 71% since in his three starts, and only one home run allowed. And in today's baseball, if you're going to keep the ball in the park, you're going to win. And that's bottom line. And I like to learn a lot about that. Um, not nearly as many walks as last year. So he's cut down on that. There's been some definite improvements. In some of the pitches, you see that movement is working. He's getting it up to like 98 miles an hour, so that's there. I think there's, you know, I think he's kind of gone off from throwing as many change-ups, cut that down a little bit um, in favor of the slider. And I think that you're going to see some more improvement for Lopez. I like what I've seen so far. Hopefully he can keep it up. You know, I, I look at uh, the White Sox, you know, as you mentioned, in the prism of development. It's still frustrating, though, Chris. It's still tough to watch. So, oh, believe me, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I know. So is there anything that, that, that you can tell me about um, – and yet you could tell me about Yoan Moncada a little bit more because because I think that I can see the core for the next couple of years, but I'm wondering about Moncada at third base. Well, I think if you know he's doing well enough this year. Sometimes there's going to be some, you know, in third base you're going to see a blip, but overall it's good. And I think at third base for him, as opposed to say second base, if you're at third base, you've got to grab the ball and throw it on the run. You don't have time to you know pat your glove and throw it like you may have second base. So sometimes those kind of plays can lead to mistakes. That's why I kind of like him at third base. I mean, but then again, I mean, he's, he seems like a flexible kind of player that if you need to move him, you can, which is nice because there's a lot of guys in the White Sox system, uh, particularly when you draft Andrew Vaughn, they're overall, and he's a guy who's, he's going to be first base DH. 
So to have a guy who's flexible like that, Moncada, third base, if that doesn't work, you can maybe move him. But ideally, you want to keep him at third. That's definitely a plus. And then the offense, you've seen the improvements, um, not striking out nearly as much. I mean, his, his hits to strikeout ratio is about one-to-one this year, and it was far off of that last year. Uh, maybe he's taking a bit fewer walks, but I think the aggression is paying off. And you've definitely seen the improvement on the other side of the plate. So he's hitting right-handed pretty well, you know, well enough, I would say. He's mashing, you know, he's mashing right-handers all, all year long from the right-hand side of the plate, for the left side of the plate. When he goes over to the right, I mean, last year he really struggled. I mean, I wouldn't call his numbers amazing this year over there, but they're at least greatly improved. And I think that's fine because you're going to be hitting left-handed more often anyway. Well, Chris, uh, here's to – and by the way, you're on the bandwagon for Abreu to stay, right? You'd like for him to stay with the ball club as like uh, the, the new age Canerco? I like – that's that's well said. I like that. I, I Yeah, I do. I think his value here is more than it would be of anything you can get in the trade anyway. I mean, he's a good mentor for Moncada. He, he might, be, might as well be a good mentor for Robert as well and some of the other youngsters. And I think if you were to try to trade him now – I mean, he's a guy who's already past 30, he's 32. He doesn't walk a lot. I mean, he guys slugs a lot of home runs, and he's not the greatest defensive first baseman. That being said, his value in the White Sox locker room and, and, and even on the field, I mean, he comes through with big hits. He, he's fun to watch. He's a pro. I think his value is here is more than it would be than anything they could probably get for him in a trade. All right, my friend. As always, I appreciate you because it um, gives me some insight and I can look at it with a different perspective with the Cubs and the White Sox. I see, by the way, Garfine is going to be with Rick Hahn at uh, at Reggie's, right, for a podcast on August 2nd? Yeah, yeah, I, I should be there as well. So that those are always fun. They really are. I, I encourage everybody, come on out if you can. Um, if not, listen to the podcast when it comes out. I think I want to stop by there. Can I stop by? Yeah, do that. Absolutely do that. I might ask a tough question. <laughs> I'm not happy right now with the season. So I think I want to stop by anyway because I like Reggie's. I do too. I do too. It's fun because I'm the second one in my family to play at Reggie's. My brother is actually in a band and he plays rock music there. And I come in there and talk about baseball. But it's all good. <laughs> You're still a rock star to me, Chris Kampka. I yeah, appreciate that. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for coming on the program. All right, thank you. There he is. He's Chris Kampka, uh, and he uh, covers uh, Major League Baseball for NBC Sports Chicago. Follow him on Twitter at CKampka. But, you know, that's when I talk to Chris, he gives us more of a, a, a different perspective, Eric, because as you and I as White Sox fans know, it is tough because I've been saying for a long time, I should have trademarked this, where's my Lester? Like, who's the guy? And they try to do it this with Machado. They try to be able to find someone that can be, you know, pay dividends for the team. But in 2020, like, are, are you going to be able to find someone in free agency that can turn this thing around? And it's, usually it's not just one guy, but just like for the Cubs, it took Lester, and then you were able to garner momentum from there. You know, so that's what I'm waiting for. That's what I'm waiting for. A solid veteran arm in that starting rotation, which is going to be littered with young, young arms, is something that this team absolutely needs if they really want to be a playoff contender in the next couple of years. That's all I want, man. Yeah. That's all I like, want. I really thought they missed out on Dallas Keuchel. I thought that was a perfect fit. Right. thought it was a perfect fit. But just, you know. You also got to know the, the history of the White Sox, too. 
the White Sox and the Cubs were very similar for a long time, where teams, or you have a free agent, and you'd be like, you know, it's a nice city, Chicago. Chicago, really? Yeah, you can play for the Cubs and play is day baseball, be in the bars at five o'clock, be out all night. You know, you know, you don't have to worry about night games. Don't have to worry about winning. <laughs> just get paid and get drunk and just you know go out with whoever you want to go out with. Sox, it was always last chance. The the wheel spins. You can't go to California teams. You can't go to New York teams like Chicago. Oh, Chicago. Yeah, but the White Sox. Oh. Seriously, that's, I mean, because look at the history of the team. And, of course, 05 changed a lot of that because, like, Jermaine dies at Kansas City Royal. And you, know, you take a look at, uh, you know, Scott Pesednik. Canerco is not even a Sox. This is like a, a Dodger Reds player. So it's, it's one of those things. Sox were never able to. So at least you have homegrown talent here where you could say this is a White Sox player. And then now you're trying to build around it. So... You got to change the fortune somehow. It's just very difficult, especially during a long summer. I just—they got me to Bourbon A. Good enough. All right, now you can lose the rest of the games. <laughs> That's like, I just need you to get, just be interesting right up to Bourbon A. Now this camp's open. Okay, cool. We're going to turn the page. That'll be our last Sox conversation for the year. All right, coming. <laughs> That's not true, because I'm sure there'll be some trade deadline stuff. Throwback Thursday. Jay-Z. Jonathan Hood. Photoshoot fresh. Looking like wealth. I'm about to call a paparazzi on myself. On ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Barry Horowitz. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 the ESPN app. Glad to have you in with us. It is time, now time for our signature segment on Thursdays. Ladies and gentlemen... It is time now for <laughs> It's the slowest fade in the history You're of our business. You're gonna set the alarms off with this silence. <laughs> well, well, no, I mean this is. I'm waiting for it Very to fade. Dramatic that it's moment. Like, <laughs> it's the slowest fade in the history of our business. Oh, is, Pete, is Pete Cohen back? You never know, it's man. Like, like, you should have had a video on the way you had your eyes closed. <laughs> it, it was like a big moment about was, to drop right now. I was going to it, and I just waited for the music to fade out. It was still there. Just... Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Oh, and that's, are, it's, yeah. So it's, it's now time. Didn't ask you, Siri, for a throwback Thursday. What the hell? Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Before Snapchat. What is that? Before Twitter. So what's the sitch? There was. That's so throwback. Those were the good times. That's so throwback. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Throwback Thursday memories. I see a little silhouette of a man. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Put your hands up. The throwback. All you need is love. Taking it back. Go back. The throwback. The throwback. 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 
It is now time for Throwback Thursday right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. We do it every single Thursday at 930. The topic tonight is what is your favorite uniform, jersey, hockey sweater, or sports logo from back in the day? Felix, I will start with you. What is your favorite uniform, jersey, hockey sweater, or logo from back of the day? It would be the NBA one. It would be NBA jersey, Orlando Magic, 1994 to 1995. Penny Hardaway. Very nice. The reason why that was interesting is because we hadn't seen colors like that before. Um, the Magic didn't have, you know, white pinstripes, blue, purple, I want to say. Black. Black. Yes. Didn't have that before. Mm-mm. Very interesting time, by the way, during that time. Like, you didn't have teal either for the Charlotte mm-hmm. Hornets. But that, that's very good. Eric, what is your favorite? My favorite is, and it's actually tied into a movie, is the Anaheim Ducks original jer- sweaters. They now just have a big D, yep. pardon the expression, on yes. their on their sweater. <laughs> that's how you do it. Yes. But I miss the uh, hockey mask uh, Jolly Roger with the hockey sticks as the skull and crossbones. <laughs> I like that too. It is. But the Anaheim Ducks. We are ducks. And ducks fly together. That's right, Jan. <laughs> and just when you think they're about to break apart, ducks, ducks fly, fly together. together. And when the wind blows hard and the sky is black, ducks fly together. And when the roosters are crowing and the cows are spinning circles in the pasture, Ducks fly together. Okay. Ducks fly together. And when everyone says it can't be done, ducks fly together. I don't want to be just the lame guy, but I, I, I still think that the Blackhawk sweater is the best in the National Hockey League because it's just simple. I just think that that's this is like the best, one of the best logos in sports. You know it when you see it. it doesn't have to have any Chicago or Blackhawks around it. It's just the face. I think I think that's the, the best. On back to be taken by Campbell. Here's Campbell handing on to Kane again. Lots of head fakes there trying to shake Seaman in. Threw one in front. They, oh, my. It rattled around, and it kicked on back, and they score. We saw no light. We saw no signal, and we're not sure if they've set a signal of a goal yet, but they are celebrating at the other end of the ice. What chaos. One of the more unusual finishes, but it's a goal. The Stanley Cup to the Chicago. It took all that, but the Hawks won that one. Great call by Doc Emmerich on NBC as we do Throwback Thursday. Best logo, best jersey in sports from the old school. Don Shanahan says University of Hawaii. You know what? That's a classic H, by the way. No one else has that. It's kind of like a, gosh, how do you describe it? Like a, a lay on both sides of the H. I yeah, guess that's a good way to like a good kind of like a Samoan like symbol going down both sides of the H with like the triangles. Very good. That's mm-hmm. that's a very good explanation. And of course, the green H that is a classic one. That's for sure. The University of Hawaii Warriors, for the first time in the history of the program, are outright WAC champions. Their third conference title in all in 29 years. They are 11 and 0 for the first time in school history. They've now won a school record 12 straight games, a school record 15 straight whack games, and they have made a major statement to the voters and Colt Brennan to the Heisman voters as well as he threw for 495 yards and five touchdowns tonight. The throwback. throwback.
<laughs> on Throwback Thursday here on ESPN 1000, ESPN app. Ken Chirillo says, oh, of course, the classic WWF logo. WWF, what the world is watching. Thank you, Gene. Um, it's a lot of other ones on here, too. Oh, uh, there's someone says the classic Illini uh, jersey. What's it, well, actually, this one is like 89, if I'm not mistaken, when the Illini went to the championship game. I believe this is... Uh, like the classic logo before the solid eye, it was just the just the chief was the logo. The final 25 seconds, and Illinois is going to have an experience the school has never experienced in 100 years of basketball. They are going to be playing in the championship game. They've been to Final Fours, but never to the big one, Jim, as you pointed out. Someone said the Hartford Whalers uh, jersey. If you guys, that predates you guys, the Hartford Whalers? I know the logo. Like, I love the logo. I think the logo is awesome, how it's the W with the whale tail in it. Like, <laughs> it's so awesome. People in Hartford still believe that they should have a hockey team. They think that they're, they're come, something's coming <laughs> back still. And when I say people, I mean people in Bristol. Yep. <laughs> they, <laughs> they need something to do out there, man. They believe that they should have a hockey team. And it's like they... they Hartford won't support it. It's not a big enough city no. for it. It was weird at the time, right? But it just shows how primitive that was. But the people believe the Hartford Whalers. Face off in the zone. That's all that remains. And the crowd is <laughs> cherishing every moment. Norton in the corner. Silver, folks. It's been a great ride. The Whalers will go out. Winners. Whalers win! How about the Nordiques? Weird at the time when I saw the Quebec Nordiques um, and their jersey because I thought it was a slinky. The N was like a weird slinky N. It's very strange, but that, that also a classic sweater back in the day for the Quebec Nordique. And away comes Quebec. That's trouble. Move up the move. Sack it. Shirt had it. Shoot. Watch this for a move. Inside out. You notice Uskabich had his head down looking at the puck. If he just faces Sackett, he's got nowhere to go. Joe Kesnich, he likes the Seattle Mariners. But it's the classic Mariners, though, from like when they first started. I didn't know what that logo was when I was going through your timeline. I loved it, and I'm sitting there trying to figure out what it was. It's a cool looking, it's like a pitchfork. I don't even remember that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's my, my childhood and Joe's apparently too, the upside down <laughs> pitch, pitchfork from back in the day. I remember that very well. Those teams used to beat up the socks. That was a scary logo for me. <laughs> Bad memories. It's yep. So good, good. Those are those, uh, Kingdom Mariners. They're, they're really good. Really good. Uh, as we do Throwback Thursday. The White Sox, you know, Joey A says the Sox uniform from like 77. The Ed Farmer Chicago White Sox. I mean, that's like the Bill Vec ones where they wore shorts instead of long pants. You know, the, the blousy top. You know, I love nostalgia, but that just sucked. Yeah, the weird collared shirt that they had too in the 70s. And then at one moment they had the red jerseys. Remember with all the just the red print for some reason one season they went to just red only. That was the Melton socks. Yes. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> yeah, just you know, 
like, again, this is why we do Throwback Thursday. I don't mind it. It's just like the blousy one was over the top. I didn't like that very much with the White Sox. But Dick Allen, that's the Fred Hume era. Well, with one out here is uh, Richie Allen. Richie Allen. Allen has faced Lindy McDaniel many times <laughs> in the National League. There's a long drive deep center. Way back in my Harry Carey was the best. Crazy Harry Carey. Yeah, it was crazy. Yes, that was crazy Harry in this, Carey. In the video of that, he's just sitting at a table in the outfield. Naked. Shirtless, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> holding up a giant fishing net above his head. He was in decent shape at that time. I'm, I'm surprised. Not the Harry Carey I remember. <laughs> I love naked Harry Carey. Why? Remember, he was with the White Sox first. Remember that? He was out there getting it done. And, you can, and by the way, that was also the war in 1972 because you hear the explosion. Apparently, there was a, a war that broke out at Comiskey after that home run. And that, my friends, is Throwback Thursday. I tried to show him. You're listening to my mans in them. Jay Hood. Yep. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. I tried to show him. And the ESPN app. Yeah. Gone on you with the pick and roll. Younger Flame here in sickle mode. <laughs> Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Our thanks to Jesse Rogers, Stacey King, and Chris Camper for being with us. The show produced by Eric Ostrowski and Felix Reyes on his last day as he gets transferred to ESPN Dallas. Uh, so, Felix, your, la- your last day here on the program. Yes, sir. That's ah, hard. It is. It is. It's bittersweet for sure. You're happy to get away from me, but I'm just the point is, is that's got to be hard for the program. I don't know how we're going to recover here. We have Eric, but see, Eric is going to just say anything. So he's going to get us fined and in trouble. <laughs> at least with your mic off and just you staring, at least we weren't going to get in nods. trouble. Yes, the, the nods. nods. Yes. I will miss the reassuring nods. <laughs> right before the show starts. Eric gives me reassuring nods also, but that's because well, he's been up all day. And he's yeah. <laughs> just to stay awake. That's just me keeping awake. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's just shaking the brain around. So what, who's your favorite guest that you've booked for the program Ooh, over the years? Favorite guest. Um, you can say that's a good question so I can get the point. That That is a good question, Jonathan. It really is. Yeah. I would say, man, I would say Shanola Hampton. She was fun because it was something that we had a lot of conversations about Shameless when you were getting into it. So I thought it was pretty cool when we booked her because that was the first phone call I gave you. I was like, hey, we got her. Mm-hmm. Like, she's going to be on the show. That's that. And she was fun. That's probably my favorite booking, yeah. v, v from Shameless, because that's a great show. Yes. Um, who was the worst guest that you booked? <sighs> you can say it now. <laughs> I don't know if there's a worst guest. The funniest, I think the strangest booking that we did was uh, when we booked Ice Cube. And it was because of the three, uh, the big three. And we had 
like one of his publicists on the other line and we didn't know that and midway oh, through yeah. the through the interview we had the guy go all right he's got three minutes left mid like while you're asking him a question oh, you're like yeah. all right cool and then right at the end he all right he's got to go he's got to finish this question up and we're like man luckily we were taping that interview but what was going on that's true yeah like in the middle of the conversation the the pr guy says he's got three minutes he's got two minutes or you know what now that i remember bobby portis because we also had something like that with his publicist remember I believe so. She, oh, she yes. jumped in and she kept telling you, she was like, he's got to go. That's enough Bulls question. But Bobby was like, awesome. He loved ask, answering all your questions too. Yeah. And then we, I told her, it's like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. That's yeah. enough. Don't interrupt me again. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Some of the stuff that you don't hear on the air. Yeah, I have, have to, to edit, edit that out. one out. Yeah. Yep. Big time. What what is what is your favorite Felix memory, Eric? As as now Felix, Felix passes away now. What are your favorite memories? Honestly, <laughs> um, <laughs> awesome. the first thing that comes to my head when you say that is Conelo. Just simply Conelo. That's right. It's, it's Canelo. Canelo, bro. See, and he and we had more, no one has more boxing conversation no on this than this show. And Felix enjoyed, I think, his Ray Flores hits. The we got chance to talk to Ray and and uh, Myron Metcalf. So, I mean, yes. as a boxing fan, you like that, right? Oh, yeah. Canelo. Okay. So, so what are you, your thoughts on the Cowboys? I want to get your thoughts on what, what are your expectations for Dak Prescott this year? <sighs> yeah, it's, that's right there, yeah. <laughs> Part of the conversation. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of Prescott. Just but saying, you better be when you get I down know. there, boy. Yeah. You got to get down there and talk about the Cowboys, boy. Or just talk about the Bears all the time to them. Thank you for all <laughs> of the things that you've done for this program. Thank you. It will. Yeah, I will show you how much I appreciate it after ten o'clock, <laughs> as I as I drown you in a sea of Crown Royal. <laughs> Looking forward to that. So thank thank you for all that you've done on the program. Thank you sincerely it, yep. from all of us here on I'm the hood. It. Yep. We thank you. Stop interrupting. We thank you for being part of the program here on ESPN One Thousand at the ESPN app. All right. Follow me on Twitter, Twitter.com, Tweet J Hood. My schedule's everywhere. So I got a lot of stuff going on. So follow me there. You'll know where I am. But I would ask you to just follow me on the podcast. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Get the podcast. That way you never miss an episode. Talk to you soon. Right here on ESPN 1000. Jonathan Hood. I'm so good. On ESPN 1000. So long, Felix.